great are you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you for giving us a vision of fellowship that honors you. We ask that you give us the courage, the courage to grow and to thrive in our relationships, to thrive in those relationships with both you and with each other. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. So today we begin week three of this four-week-long sermon series called Known. And let me give you a brief recap. What we've looked at so far is that to know and be known are two of the deepest needs as relational beings. We were made for life-giving relationships and fellowship with one another. The communal nature of faith wasn't an accident. It was designed this way with great intention and purpose. We are better together. And that's the way God intended it. J.I. Packer said it like this. He said, the Greek word for fellowship comes from the root meaning common or shared. So fellowship means common participation in something either by giving what you have to the other person or by receiving what he or she has. Give and take is the essence of fellowship. Give and take must be the way of fellowship in the common life of the body of Christ. He goes on to say Christian fellowship is two-dimensional. It must be vertical before it can be horizontal. We must know the reality of fellowship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, before we can know the reality of fellowship with each other in a common relationship to God. The person who's not in fellowship with the Father and the Son is no Christian at all. So they cannot share with Christians the realities of fellowship. See, fellowship is a mutual sharing where give and take is commonplace. People who are not in fellowship with the Father are in no place to share the realities of fellowship with each other. It's important to understand that vertical nature of fellowship with God before we can effectively engage in horizontal relationship with each other. In weeks one and two, we dove into that vertical relationship nature of fellowship. We learned that in Jesus, we are fully known, fully loved, and fully redeemed. We learned that God the Father has unlimited understanding of all things and that He alone knows what's best for us. Through God, we were wonderfully made with divine purpose and calling. This week, we're going to learn a little bit more about that horizontal relationship of our divine purpose and calling into community and fellowship with each other because we truly are better together. 
main passage for today highlights both the vertical and the horizontal nature of fellowship. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, which says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter here addresses the vertical relationship with God first, the living stone. And then he moves on to the horizontal implication second. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Our fellowship flows out of our collective relationship with God through Christ. Our spiritual houses, the local church, our sacred gatherings where we, the living stones, are being built up and put together with divine intention and direction. One of the keys to understanding the whole of fellowship is found at the hands of the master builder himself the one in and through whom this whole enterprise flows, that being Jesus. See, this same Peter who gave us this main verse for today was also one of the primary characters in another important passage found in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, where it says, And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Here, Christ so clearly states for the first time, I will build my church. And interestingly, this is also the first time that Greek word ecclesia is used, which we use to translate into church. The original word literally means called out from, called out out of, and as such, it properly means people called out from the world and to God, that outcome being the church, a universal body of believers whom God calls out from the world and into his eternal kingdom. Christ is building his church with all the people called out of the world and into faith. And Peter was one of the first to hear this from the master builder himself. And for this reason, I think it's even more important that we take Peter's words seriously that he said in 1 Peter chapter 2. As a reminder, it was, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter knew we were being called to something bigger than just ourselves. Peter knew that the master builder was working on something special, something that would change the world. Peter knew that the people of God were being built up together into a spiritual house, the church, and that not even the gates of hell would overcome 
her or us. The same God who knows you, loves you, and saved you is also perfectly placing you into fellowship with other living stones. God has not only trusted and sent his son into this world to redeem us, he also put Jesus in charge of the single greatest building project of all time, the church. You may wonder from time to time as to why you're a member of this particular church. I've wondered that before. Or maybe why you have the neighbors that you do, or why you're a part of a small group or a ministry that you're in. Maybe, maybe it's because that's where Jesus, the master builder, wants you to be. Maybe he has you right where he wants you to be and where you need to be. Maybe it's time to trust Jesus and to trust where he has placed you in the spiritual house. Most of you might be familiar with the story of Doubting Thomas. Found in John chapter 20, the gist of the story is this. Jesus is reappearing to many of the disciples after he has been resurrected from the dead. But yet somehow, Thomas, one of those original disciples, keeps missing him. So instead of believing what the other disciples are telling him, Thomas says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. We're like that oftentimes, aren't we? We have to see it to believe it. Well, about a week later, Jesus appears to the disciples again. This time, Thomas is there. Jesus looks at Thomas, and he says this to Thomas. Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus goes on to say one more thing to Thomas. And this is a statement I want us to remember today. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Stop doubting and believe. That applies, I think, to us just as much as to anyone else. We don't have the luxury of knowing Jesus like the original disciples did. We'll never get the chance to sit around a campfire listening to Jesus talk about the coming kingdom. But we do have the Bible. And we are called to faith. By faith, we trust that Jesus is building his church. By faith, we trust that he is using each and every one of us in that process. For better or for worse, he's using us. And here's the kicker. Using us, building us up together, that's the plan. That's the process that he is using to build us. When God, who created the entire universe, decides 
to involve us in his master plan, I think we need to trust him. He knows what he's getting into. He knows all of us more intimately and more personally than anyone else does. He knows the plan, and he's included us in the process. And I think as we learn to trust him, our vertical relationship with him, as we learn that, we will also learn to trust each other as well in those horizontal relationships. All of us here today, whether in person or online, have ample reason to be suspicious of other people. We've been disappointed. We've been hurt. We've been lied to. We've even been abused by others. There are a lot of people in this world today who would, who would rather live life on their own than to risk further pain and suffering in relationships. It's understandable. And yet, the problem with this thinking and this position is that we were made for more. We were built to thrive, not just survive, but to thrive in relationship with others. And yet, the world tells us all of the time that the best way to live is only for ourselves. It says to go and get yours and don't let anyone or anything stand in your way. Cutting yourself off from others is the safe way to live, the simple way to live, the worldly way to live. Let me tell you what it isn't. It is not the Jesus way to live. An African proverb says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. When I think of how far Jesus came on our behalf, leaving heaven, coming and dying on a cross for us, I'm convinced that we, like him, are to trade our very lives for the dying world around us. And the truth is, it's tempting to try and go it alone. But we're not called to go faster. We're called to go farther. We're called to go to the very ends of the earth, to proclaim and to preach, to worship and to pray, to participate in the plan of the master builder to build his church. And the journey is so much better when we trust God and trust each other. As I wrap up today, I want to go back to that quote that I shared from J.I. Packer. It said, the original word for fellowship comes from a root meaning, meaning common or shared. So fellowship means common participation in something, either by giving what you have to the other person or receiving what he or she has. Give and take is the essence of fellowship. And give and take must be the way of fellowship in the common life of the body of Christ. It's obvious that the most common thing we all share together is Jesus. He is the uniting factor of all of what we do here today. 
He's the one that unites us as we share in our relationships with one another. If give and take is the essence of fellowship, then I trust that today, today is a good day for an opportunity for that exchange to take place. Some of you need to extend forgiveness to others. And some of you need to receive forgiveness. Some of you need to give yourself in service and ministry to others. And some of you need to receive service and ministry from others. Where do you find yourself at today? Are you on the giving or the receiving end? What can you do today to restore fellowship and relationship with those around you? What can you do to connect or to reconnect with a brother or sister in Christ? I want you to just pause for a second and, and look around you. Look around at the people who used to be sitting near you, who used to be there every single week, but who's not there any longer. What can you do this week to reach out to those people, to tell them that they're loved, that they're missed, and you want to see them back in that seat near you. Are you willing to do that this week? Are you willing to reach out to those that are missing? So we know they're missing, and, and often if you're the one missing, you wonder, why hasn't anyone from the church reached out? Do we know I can only see about the first three rows. I don't know who's back there. I don't know whether you're missing or not. But those who are seated near you, you know. And it's your job. It's your responsibility as the body of Christ to reach out. To let them know that they're missed and that they're loved. What would it look like this week to spend some time fostering relationships and kingdom connections? It's what we were made for. And it's the plan of the master builder. So trust him. Stop doubting and believe. Trust the community that he has placed you in. Stop doubting and believe. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have built this church. Thank you that you use each and every one of us, not just the ones on the stage, but each and every one of us has a role to play in your church. And the church can't function without all of us. Help us to stop being like Thomas, where seeing is believing, but help us to believe even when we can't see the end result. Use us in your service. In Jesus' name, amen.